sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome to hour number two, the morning after live right here on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 159. It's the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. All across the Spiz Grizz Network, that is also Sports Grid. I am Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us here in hour number two on this Wednesday. A ton to get to around the association history last night in Dallas in multiple varieties. We'll also touch on college basketball. John Rothstein joins us to end out today's show. Brian Fonseca here as well. And Dubsy Anderson for a What Else Wednesday as soccer has started once again following the World Cup on the international level in the Premier League and the Champions League on the horizon in just about a month as well. So let's dive into everything you need to know. A hardwood handicap as we enter the zone. So again, it it bears repeating because it was history last night in so many different ways for Luka Doncic specifically and the Dallas Mavericks. 60 points, 21 rebounds, 10 assists for Luka as the Mavs win in overtime, 126-121 over the New York Knicks. The first ever triple-double in the history of the NBA with a stat line that read 60 points, 20 boards, and 10 assists. That's what Luka pulled off last night night he also pulled off a historic comeback the Mavs were down by nine points with just 33 seconds left in regulation against the Knicks teams in that similar scenario in the last 20 years in the NBA down by at least nine under 35 ticks remaining in regulation oh 13,884 the Mavericks an after Christmas miracle and because of the performance Luka Doncic moves back up the NBA MVP board. Now the third best price at plus 440. He entered last night at 6-1, to one, over a dollar and a half shaved off the number. Still trails Jason Tatum, who also had a big night for the Celtics, and Giannis Intentacumpo. And he moved in front of Nikola Jokic, the two-time reigning back-to-back NBA MVP. A weak night for Jokic, if we're being honest. The Joker... Only 20 points, 11 dimes, just nine boards, not even a triple-double. Lame. He had done that, though, in three of his last four entering. A plus-140 number for Nikola Jokic to record a triple-double, and I kid because he only missed out by one rebound as the Denver Nuggets continue to keep pace, though, with the best record in the Western Conference. Going on the road to Sacramento, the beam does not shine. The Nuggets win by seven points, 113-106, and they cover as a four-point favorite Jokic under every one of his props it's difficult when your props are 26 and a half points 12 and a half rebounds and nine and a half assists actually he did go over his assist prop then if I have that correctly and as we keep going around the NBA the Philadelphia 76ers took an eight game win streak with them on the road last night to the nation's capital looking to make it nine in a row match the Brooklyn Nets with the longest active win streak in the NBA Not the case. The Sixers, a four-point favorite in the nation's capital against the Wizards last night. Washington wins by five, 116-111 outright as a four, four four-and-a-half-point underdog. Joel Embiid did all he could, 48 points, 
10 rebounds, a sensational night. James Harden continues to be a walking double-double from an assist in point category. 26 for the Beard, 13 assists and seven boards, but not enough to continue their win streak and push it to nine against the Wizards last night. Washington winning outright, snapping that eight-game win streak of the Sixers, 116-111. A welcome to our Sports Grid radio audience here. The second hour of the morning after going all around the association, Sirius XM, Channel 159. All of our terrestrial radio affiliates now in the mix as well. I am Ben Stevens. So Washington snaps that eight-game win streak for the Sixers last night. The Boston Celtics playing pretty good basketball. We'll have more around the association up next. But quickly, we check in on college hoops. Now, throughout this holiday season, things get a little bit quiet in college basketball, both on the men's and women's side. Teams head home for a small Christmas break. Most teams haven't played in over a week, but Big East action really picking up to end out December heading into New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. A big one last night for the Golden Eagles of Marquette against Seton Hall. Shaka Smart in his second year in Milwaukee doing some big things right now for the Golden Eagles. A big victory last night. Marquette picks up their second win in Big East play, covering as a seven-and-a-half-point home favorite. Shaheen Holloway in his first year at Seton Hall looks a little bit frustrated. Hall ball so far winless in Big East Conference action 0-3 to start off their conference slate. Not what Shaheen Holloway was looking for after the magical Cinderella run when he was at the helm of St. Peter's last year in the NCAA tournament. The first ever 15 seed to reach the Elite Eight. A lot of those guys came over. So we'll see what happens the rest of the way here in his first year in the Big East at the helm of his alma mater for Seton Hall. A big night in the Big East. It continues on this Wednesday evening in college basketball as well. We'll look at some of that action with John Rothstein coming up later on in hour number two. But a huge night in the SEC. Conference play begins in the Southeastern Conference. And what a way to debut with a top 25 tilt between Alabama and Mississippi State. Alabama ranked eighth in the country. This game, a virtual pick'em. Mississippi State, 11-1. Alabama has pulled off some huge wins this year, including over Houston, but they have not covered in their last five games as a favorite. This will be the first game Mississippi State booked as an underdog this year, although the number is very, very short. Plenty more from around college hoops later on in this second hour, but what else is happening on, the, on this Wednesday? Find out next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We saw some fantastic results. We're going to see another big game coming up here this afternoon. And then we got the Champions League. We've got to get some futures in on. That gets back underway there in February. So plenty of soccer to jump into here on a Wednesday, Ben. The day following Christmas for us was the recognized holiday. It is always Boxing Day over in the UK, and it is a huge day from Premier League standards. Playback underway for the first time since November 13th. Games on Monday, Tuesday, and on this Wednesday afternoon that we'll look at. Dubsy, some of the notable results that we have seen so far as the Premier League is back in action, as you have been taking it all in. How do the gents look out there on the pitch? Are the legs looking fresh, fresh off the World Cup? 
<laughs> well, look, Ben, one thing to note is this is the second half of the season and there's no real time to try and figure it out like we usually have at the start of the season. Every point matters here in the Premier League. A couple of big standouts for me, and I'm going to focus on a couple of Team USA players coming back into the Premier League. Mm. Fulham get it done over Crystal Palace 3 to nothing. Timmy Ream, the shot stopper at the back there for Team USA, 35 years of age, gets his very first goal in the English Premier League and also gets himself a one-year extension over there with Fulham, who is sitting right around the middle of the pack, so they don't have to worry about relegation. Great news for Timmy Ream. Liverpool get a good win over Aston Villa. Mo Salah, a player who wasn't there in guitar. This is something we have to clue on to. A couple of players didn't uh, you know, make it to the World Cup. They've got the fresh legs. And Manchester United... Um, no Cristiano Ronaldo, no problems. They roll Nottingham Forest three to nothing. Marcus Rashford, a revelation there for the English side over in Qatar, a superstar in the Premier League. Manchester United, I think they're uh, sitting really nice for a top four finish, and we can still get them at plus 135 to do it. Yeah, W, it's a great point because right now you're really gearing up for the rest of this Premier League campaign. It ends at the end of May. However, with that being said, you're battling it out for position on the table to avoid relegation and, of course, to win the Premier League. And right now, Man City, the heavy favorites to do that, a minus 210 number. Dubsy, the next closest team is Arsenal at plus 220, and then a large drop off to Newcastle at 23 to 1, and then behind them, 32 to 1, Liverpool. Should Man City, Dubsy, be this strong of an odds-on favorite? Is Manchester City deserving of that minus 210 price? Look, I really like Manchester City. Ben, but I don't like them that much. Arsenal are up top yeah. of the table. They're, they've now got Arsenal. Uh, they've now got Man City there by eight points, which is a fair gap in the English Premier League. Yeah. I like what I'm seeing from the Gunners. Mikel Arteta, over the last two seasons, has really turned it around. They had a really good win over West Ham this week, three to one. They were down one goal going in to the break there after 45 minutes. They came back out there in the second half, and they showed us the pedigree they have. So for me, if you're looking for value in the Premier League, I don't know yeah. why the FanDuel Sportsbook had given us such a good number, plus 220 to win it all. That's the value play for me. The Gunners, they're not going backwards yeah. in a hurry. I like what I'm saying. Like Dubsy said, yes, we're really picking up steam here. We're not trying to figure things out with trying to get healthy and fit following the World Cup. But we still have a lot of football to be played in the English Premier League. Again, it doesn't end until the end of May. So some interesting prices right there. It's the same scoring that we have in the World Cup. Three points for a win, one point for a draw, nothing for a loss. And Dubsy, I feel like I'm an educated soccer better, although you far more expertise than me when it comes to this area. So I know that when you look at a heavy favorite like Man City today against Leeds, it's not the only way to bet it on that 90-minute money line or, for instance, a team just to win outright. So what is the approach for the heavy favorites to win the Premier League and the heavy favorites in their matchup today against Leeds United? Yeah, we've got to get a little creative. Man City, they are going on the road to Ellen Road, so it's going to be a home game for, for Leeds United. Leeds are America's team. Jesse Marsh, the modern-day uh, you know, Ted Lasso as the gaffer there, Brendan Aronson, Tyler Adams, they'll be uh, likely out there on the pitch for Leeds. But I look at the last two games, Ben, um, a combined 11 goals to nothing. Man City have romped Leeds United. I think it's going to be more of the same this afternoon. So I'm looking at more than three and a half goals to be scored, plus 106. And if you like Man City and you like him to score plenty of goals, grab a slice of them to lead after 45 minutes at minus 160. And everyone's talking about who's the best player in the world. 
It's Erling Holland. We've, we've seen it again yeah. uh, this week since he's returned to action. If you're liking for an anytime goal, get him for the first time goal scorer where you get a bit more value at plus 210. Erling Holland, this guy scores at a very high clip, and I expect him to at least bag one this afternoon. And his dad, Alfie, back in the day, also used to play for Leeds United. So there's a bit of symmetry for this one, Ben. And there were some people because of his dad playing in England for such a long time that they asked, why didn't you play for the English national team? Holland, though, or Holland, excuse me, is a native of Norway. So he is on the Norwegian national team. Didn't play in the World Cup. And like Dub said for Mo Salah, something to keep in mind as we get rolling here back into European soccer, including the Champions League, Dubsy, that will get back underway with the round of 16 in a lovely fashion on Valentine's Day February 14th. Man City, the heavy odds on favorite to win the Premier League. The favorites with a pretty substantial price to win the Champions League as well in front right now of Bayern Munich. Dubsy, how do you evaluate these odds? We still have over a month and a half until the Champions League picks back up. Yeah, I, I agree that Man City should be your favourites. Uh, I, I do like you know their squad. I think there's plenty of depth where they're going to have a run across all competitions, including the Premier League, the Champions League. But the two numbers that stand out to me, Bayern Munich and PSG, these two sides are going to meet in February to start the round of 16. I like yeah. PSG. I mean, let's take a look at who they've got as their front three. Kylian Mbappe, Neymar Jr. Oh, yeah, and the third guy, Lionel Messi. I think you may have heard oh. of him as well. I mean, this is a loaded side, Benny. They will start in Paris. They are your favorites in that first game at plus 125. Looking at that number, I expect PSG to roll them in both the home and away. Why not get a slice of that futures ticket right now at plus 750? Home and away legs, the final is not. We'll do a redraw after we get through this first stage. Bayern favored to advance out of the round of 16 over PSG at minus 158. But if you just started following soccer, as you looked at the World Cup in Qatar, you would see that team for PSG with Lionel Messi and Kylian Mbappe and Neymar Jr. and think, is that even legal to have those three guys (laughs) on the same club? It is certainly something to pay attention to. Maybe that World Cup bump coming for both Messi and and Mbappe. Speaking of the World Cup, in Dubsy's native land, the 2023 Women's World Cup this summer in New Zealand and Australia, where Dubs is from. And Team USA, when it comes to the U.S. women's national team, is an absolute wagon. Looking to make it three straight World Cup titles. The favorites to do so, Dubsy. Will it be three in a row down under for Team USA? Oh, I'm going to say no, it won't be. They're going oh. through a bit of a uh, transition period, Ben. I know I'm that guy. A lot of people have just uh, poured out their coffee. They're not happy here on a Wednesday morning. I think it's going to be a tough one for Team USA. I mean, they've been successful with the last couple there. Going over to uh, Australia and New Zealand. I tell you what, it may sound like a bit of a homer play, but the Aussies, the Matildas at 14 to 1, We've got the ladies mm. playing in all the big competitions around the world. Sam Kerr with Chelsea, another finalist there for the Ballon d'Or. Ellie Carpenter playing over there in France. Kia Simon, we get 14 to 1 in the home nation. So Dubsy can wear the Aussie kit. And I'm very glad you reminded me Valentine's Day is coming up, Ben. I'm going to get the flowers there you there go. for the missus. That's a gift for you, Dubsy, to get ready for this summer in Australia at the Women's World Cup. Thank you so much. As always, more TMA up next. 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Around the association, we continue to go live here on this Wednesday on the morning after on SportsGrid and Sirius XM Channel 159. I am Ben Stevens, but it's Brian Fonseca's NBA Focus. We are more focused on live right here on this Wednesday on TMA. Fonseca, I hope you had a wonderful holiday vacation down in sunny Tampa, Florida, and that you were able to be back last night in time to check out Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks with an overtime victory over the New York Knicks. History in the association in so many different forms. But Fonseca, I want to put you on the spot right here and ask you to sum it up in just one word. How would you describe what Doncic and Dallas pulled off last night? It would be a curse word. So I'm okay. not sure I can do it. <laughs> it a, a good curse word or a bad curse word coming from the evaluation of the New York Knicks or a good curse word to be like, whoa, holy blank, Luka Doncic. It would technically be a bad curse word that means a mm. good thing in favor of Luka Doncic. Um, okay, I'll just say that it starts with an F and it's a four-letter word. But listen, uh, Luka Doncic is incredible. Like, I'm not even going to crap on what the Knicks did even though that'd be very easy to do because they've been on a big winning streak. And yes, they should have won that game because they were up, they were up by nine with 33 seconds to go <laughs> in regulation. You know, and, and this is this is sort of a, yes, it's a little bit of an infamous Knicks blunder, one that we've grown accustomed to seeing over the years. But this team is better, so we're going to cut them some slack and just celebrate Luka Doncic, who had 60, 20, and 10, which... It's a video game stat line. It's something that you only see in 2K when you're playing against your annoying 10-year-old cousin who is only using one player the entire time. I used to do this actually in in, in like high school when they when they added the uh, 2076ers in 2K. I used to just abuse oh. people with Allen Iverson only because what are you going to do? Go off with Tyrone Hill anyway? But uh, Luka Doncic was awesome. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie was also great in that game because he had a big three. And look, it's worth noting that as, as somebody who's been in New York for a while, Spencer Dinwiddie tends to play bigger in some of those big moments. His second yeah. season with the Nets, his first full season, because he was picked up midway through the 2016-2017 season, Spencer Dinwiddie was somebody who was like among the league leaders in game-winning shots and clutch shots and things of that nature for a Nets team that had like 28 wins in 2017-18. Yeah. Like, He's had a history of hitting these big shots, and he hit one at the end of regulation, obviously, to tie the game late. Um, and Luka Doncic, like, he is arguably the best player in on the planet, and we're going to talk about Western Conference odds in a bit, so I kind of want to save some for that. But the Dallas Mavericks are one team because, Ben, we've talked about the wide-open Western Conference and who's going to compete for the title, and it's more wide open than the East this year, which I didn't expect. I actually thought the East was going to be more wide open. And Dallas... It, it, it can't be this all the time. Like, yeah, the Luka performances are sensational. But, like, you know, in terms of, like, depth, for example, they didn't get a lot from their bench last night. Christian Wood did what he does. Spencer did what he stepped up. And Luka Doncic was epic. But they need more than that if they're going to compete, like, at a high level with the best teams in the Western Conference, in my opinion. Spencer Dinwiddie now becomes the answer to a trivia question. On the night, we all remember Luka for doing what he did. Who was the Mavs' second leading scorer? It would be Dinwiddie with 25 
points. So Fonseca, when you look at the NBA MVP odds, Luca was the preseason favorite, now has the third best price because of the performance last night, moving up past Nikola Jokic, who is your NBA MVP so far this season. It's probably Tatum for now, but mm. I think Luka Doncic easily has a strong case. I would put him in the top two because I think Dallas, I mean, if we're talking about literally most valuable, where's Dallas without that dude? And Luka Doncic was my preseason pick. So, like, I expected him to have a very heavy stake in this race all season long. So I'm not surprised to see him up there. I, mean, I actually think in terms of value, and even Jason Tatum, there's value there at plus 280, right? But realistically, like, I think there's tremendous value on Luka Doncic at plus 480. I also think that with Luka Doncic, you know, like, the media have been trying to project him to win this award for a couple of years yeah and i think that in some ways like again going back to what we talk about preseason and throughout the year these are narrative-based awards because ultimately they're voted on and i think with luka Doncic, he's going to have the narrative pointing in his favor uh, jason tatum is also because again at the end of the day he's a boston yep. celtic but luka Doncic is somebody who is is kind of is a one-man team at times and it's not fair to yeah. Spencer Dinwiddie and Christian Wood to say that because those are very talented, borderline all-star talents, right? Spencer Dinwiddie's almost made an all-star game in the past. Christian Wood was in the discussion last year or the year before, forgetting which one. But really, Luka Doncic is going to need more help, <laughs> particularly coming off the bench, uh, in order for that team to be a contender. And the reason why that matters is because if you're going to be in the MVP race individually, your team is going to need to be in the mix for one of the let's say four best records, five best records in your conference. And right now they're sort of teetering around there and they need to go on a run for him to really solidify his candidacy long-term, I feel like. Jason Tatum still the favorite to win the NBA MVP, plus 280 and rightfully so, following 41 on Christmas Day inside TD Garden against Milwaukee. Tatum backs it up with 38 last night, also in Boston, against the Houston Rockets. A big victory for the Celtics. They cover as a 15-point favorite. Jalen Brown had 29 on Christmas. Tatum and Brown combined for 70. Jalen Brown had 39 last night. The Jays combining for 77 points in route to the C's 25th win this year. The best record in the NBA, Fonseca, at 25-10. Can you say, with a matter-of-fact resounding statement, the Boston Celtics are the best team in the NBA. They've been playing like it so far, and I still have questions about how long they're going to hit some of these shots, right? Like, <laughs> but those two guys in particular. But last night, and last night, it wasn't even like a super efficient performance from both of them. Like, it was kind of a run-of-the-mill game in terms of, you know, the Rockets did what they did. Jalen Green's fun. They have guys who can score. Kevin Porter Jr. They can't defend anyone. They probably can't defend anyone on this call or on the Sports Grid staff or any of the Sports Sports Grid contributors at this point. I'll give right? Them and the Celtics, yeah, right, right. And the Celtics continue to drop 120 plus or whatever the case may be. And honestly, last night, it wasn't even a, a big like depth night. Their performances were ultimately from Brown and Tatum combined for almost 80 points of their 126. Um, yeah. And Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are both going to be all-stars at this point. Jason Tatum, like we mentioned, is an MVP candidate. There are times where Jalen Brown outplays him like he did in the NBA Finals last year. This is a great team. And if they're going to be healthy, they're going to be a problem. My big question is what happens when things aren't firing on all cylinders and they start not hitting some of their shots. 
at some point because their offense could get a little muddy. It's been more fluid this year, but could get a little muddied up. And, you know, we'll see what happens going forward because, you know, beginning of the season, like we're, we're still in the first half of the year. You know what I mean? Like we're still at yeah. that point where a lot of things are going to change and be dictated. And I'm curious to see if they're going to even take a step forward even further between now and the trade deadline to really solidify themselves and try to put a stranglehold on this Eastern Conference because they're clearly clearly one of the two best teams in the league uh, along with Milwaukee right now because no one else in the Eastern Conference is really on their tier. So the Boston Celtics, the best record in the NBA, of course, then the best record in the Eastern Conference, but the best record out West, the Denver Nuggets. A victory last night on the road in Sacramento, but a lame, lackluster performance from Nikola Jokic. Couldn't even get a triple-double just 20 points, 11 dimes, and nine boards, following one rebound shot. You mentioned those Western Conference odds. Denver has the best record, Fonseca, in the Western Conference right now, where things stand for the Nuggets with a 22-11 mark at this moment. But if you're going to book a favorite out West, the Phoenix Suns are, is the favorite listed on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Who is Fonseca's favorite at the moment to win the Western Conference crown? see like with me phoenix is just i can't really get there with them i don't know if it's because like they're the corniest team in the nba right now (laughs) but like uh with me it's just i can't really get all the way there with them even though plus 300 is good value it's like i look at the odds and i'm like is phoenix really the best bet to come out of the western conference like seriously they've been very inconsistent this year would you watch them uh and chris paul's health is always going to be in question they still can't figure out their point guard such rotation in general. We saw a uh, Big Ten alum, Dwayne Washington Jr., go off last night, Ben. He did. I don't know if that was uh, very exciting for you, but we saw that happen. And is he going to supplant yeah. is he going to supplant campaign for backup point guard minutes? And campaign is interesting because he has six point five million dollars coming next year. And that's a contract that you could potentially move and maybe even pair it with Jay Crowder to get you something at the trade deadline. And then it's like, oh, how does Phoenix look now? Because they have Jay Crowder kind of sitting there. Maybe Dwayne Rossiton Jr., who's on a two-way, you sign him to a value contract if you feel like he can get back a point guard minutes, make himself useful, and really solidify that rotation spot. Maybe you find campaign movable and you could do something there. What's going to happen with the DeAndre Ayton situation? Because as we know, things have been rocky there for the duration of the time he's been there. That being said, mm-hmm. they beat Memphis last night. Memphis, I have concern about consistency and health with their top guys. John Morant, every t- every game he plays, I'm like, just please don't get hurt, man. Because he's trying to dunk on everybody, even his own teammates. And, you know, I, I have Derrick Rose PTSD, and I really hope it doesn't go that way for him. Hey, Desmond, Bain brother. Des- Desmond Bain. <laughs> Desmond Bain has been terrible since coming back from injury. But granted, he's, right. you know, he was coming back from injury. He was shoot- he's like 10 of 38 or something like that from the field. And even worse from three-point land, something like two of 19 or whatever the case may be. And Jaron Jackson Jr., still up and down, still inconsistent offensively. Defensively, he's great. He's awesome. But offensively, still up and down. And then from there, not sure. As far as the West of the rest goes, still like New Orleans as a long shot at plus 1,000. You're going to give me those odds. Why not? Yep. The Clippers, Kawhi Leonard is the key, and he's been looking better as of lately. We'll see. And then from there, like I feel like someone like Dallas – is going to leap into that group if they make the move, and I feel like they have to. That's Fonseca's NBA Focus. After a long holiday week, thank you as always. More TMA up next. 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to a Wednesday live right here on the morning after on SportsGrid and Sirius XM Channel One. 59. It's been a quiet week in college basketball. The holiday break, we don't see a ton of teams in action and teams have the week off. They head home for Christmas for a small break, but now they are back, as is John Rothstein, live right here on this Wednesday on the morning after. Joining us on behalf of FanDuel and, of course, for CBS Sports as well. So, John, with not a lot of college basketball action over this past holiday weekend, how did you spend your time? Well, watching the Diamond Head Classic, I mean, I think you're always looking to find teams that can be in position to be in position. It was a very disappointing opportunity for Utah State that wasn't capitalized. The Aggies obviously had high hopes prior to the Diamond Head Classic, but they suffered two losses last week to a pair of sub-500 teams. Those are the types of losses that obviously are going to inhibit your flexibility on Selection Sunday. But Ben, you know as well as anybody else, this is only December. It is only December, but a big night in December, especially in the SEC. Conference play opens up around the league, and in Columbia, it's Missouri and Kentucky. The Cats, a a two-and-a-half-point favorite, John, on the road against Missouri. Kentucky has failed to cover in five straight games, but how do you start to evaluate these teams, and how do things change once conference play opens up? Well, Kentucky always makes its biggest jumps during the season after Christmas under John Calipari because there is additional practice time. You know, kids aren't in school. So that is what John Calipari has always affectionately referred to as Camp Cal during his Hall of Fame career. But we're going to find out if Kentucky is ready to make a jump. And we're also going to find out if Missouri's 22-point win last week over Illinois was an aberration or something that's indicative of just how capable the Tigers are. This is an interesting game tonight and another opportunity for Dennis Gates, a potential future star in the coaching profession, to cement his status and Missouri status as an NCAA tournament contender in his first year in Columbia. Kentucky, a top-20 team, ranked 19th in the country. Arkansas also on the road against a Tiger team. The Hogs, a number-nine team in the country as they get ready to go down to the Bayou to take on LSU. Arkansas, a slight three-and-a-half-point favorite down in the Bayou against the Bayou Bengals, John. Both of these teams, 11-1, entering their SEC openers tonight. Who has the edge in this matchup? Well, I definitely think it's Arkansas, although LSU's record has proven to be obviously very impressive from a sheer record standpoint. LSU's caliber of competition, you know, still leaves a lot to be desired. LSU's body of work in the non-conference portion of the schedule in the SEC is very similar to what St. John's did in the Big East. But this is the start of an absolute gamut for LSU in the month of January. I've written about this in my daily column, Ben, at collegehoopstoday.com, The Breakfast Buffet. The month of January for Matt McMahon and LSU is comparable to pushing a boulder up a hill. After tonight's game against Arkansas, LSU will have back-to-back road games against Kentucky and Texas A&M. There's also a slew of other difficult games in SEC play. And then the tournament concludes with a game against 
against Texas Tech in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. And I think this is the thing we're seeing right now, Ben, in terms of the evolution of the SEC as a conference. For years, this league was Kentucky, Florida, when it was coached by Billy Donovan and then everybody else. We're seeing now multiple teams at the SEC top you know, most notably Tennessee, Alabama, and Arkansas, not named Kentucky, that can all make deep runs in the NCAA tournament. John, in the Southeastern Conference, it always just means more, but it's now more than just a football conference as well. Like you alluded to right there, Tennessee, Alabama, and Arkansas, all top 10 teams. Six SEC teams ranked in the most recent AP Top 25. So as we look at the conference outright odds to win the SEC title in the regular season on the FanDuel Sportsbook, the Vols, the favorites right now, a plus 220 price. But John, how competitive is the SEC going to be the entirety of this college basketball season? Well, I think that there is a strong chance that the SEC will have half of its league, seven teams in the 2023 NCAA tournament. And I was not leaning towards seven a week ago. But after Missouri's performance against Illinois, you have to take the Tigers as a bona fide NCAA tournament contender under Dennis Gates. And obviously that can be only enhanced with a win tonight against Kentucky. But here's the interesting thing from my perspective, Ben. Normally when we see players transfer from the mid-major level to the power conference level, you don't always see everything translate from a statistical perspective. Three of Missouri's top five scorers, Des Moy Hodge, DeAndre Golston, and also Noah Carter, have transferred from mid-major programs that are now playing at Missouri. All three are still averaging in double figures. That's impressive. It is very much so. A top 25 tilt in an SEC opener for both Alabama and Mississippi State tonight. Alabama ranked eighth in the country. The Bulldogs number 21. A short spread there. Bama just a one and a half point favorite. A big night in the SEC, John. Also elsewhere in the Big East. Two of the biggest brand names in this conference. Connecticut and Villanova. UConn, the number two team in the country, hosting Nova tonight. John, I was slightly surprised by this spread it's 11 and a half in favor of the huskies they were perfect 13 and 0 they're 11 1 and 1 against the spread the best cover team in all of college hoops this year but do you expect this game to be more competitive between the cats and the huskies than this 11 and a half point spread indicates it all depends on Eric Dixon and, you know, Villanova's veteran five man, I think, can control this game if he can make threes early. Because what we're seeing right now with UConn at the front of the rim with the two headed monster at center of Adama Sonogo and Donovan Klingon, you are making it virtually impossible for opponents to get offense going right at the rim. So what do you have to do? You have to go over the top of the defense. Ben, entering tonight's game at UConn, Eric Dixon has already attempted more three-point shots, 49, than he did all of last season when he only Mm. took 35 shots from long distance. If Dixon can make some threes early and go over the top of the defense, it will open things up for Caleb Daniels, for Brandon Slater, and for Cam Whitmore. Remember, Villanova is undefeated with Cam Whitmore in the lineup. And that is something that the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee will take into account. Villanova's record entering tonight's game is 7-5. and five. If Cam Whitmore plays, I have no doubts that at worst, Villanova is a 9-3 and three team and we have them penciled in the NCAA Tournament. Everybody's been asking, who's the fifth team in the Big East after Xavier, Creighton, UConn, and Marquette? To me, it's Villanova. Mm-hmm. 
Villanova, John, like you mentioned, started just two and four in the first year under Kyle Neptune. They have won five straight since, including the Wildcats' Big East opener against St. John's. UConn right now tied for the third best odds to win a national championship in college basketball. Villanova, a longer price. 75 to 1. So, John, you mentioned what is added when Nova has Cam Whitmore out there on the floor. What do you think the outlook is the rest of the way for Villanova in year number one of the Kyle Neptune era? Well, I'm going to add something to that right now. And, you know, some people might have missed this. You might have been, you know, having Chinese in a movie on Christmas Day. I don't really know. We're not that on that level of friendship yet. But another wrinkle, another wrinkle here, Ben, that I think is interesting. According to a source on Christmas night, Justin Moore returned the practice for Villanova. Mm. He obviously injured his Achilles in the Elite Eight against Houston. This is a player that still has no timetable for return. But Ben, you know as well as I do, if Justin Moore was healthy this year, Villanova would clearly be a team, I think, that would be ranked between 15 and 25 right now. And it would have another first team all Big East caliber player. If you put Justin Moore in the lineup for Villanova, and again, we have to give Justin Moore the benefit of the doubt because he obviously hadn't practiced in, you know, months, not since the last week of March. But if Justin Moore can come back even in a month, you are putting out there a lineup of Justin Moore, Caleb Daniels, Brandon Slater, Cam Whitmore, and Eric Dixon with Mark Armstrong and Chris Archie Diacono as reserves, as well as Jordan Longino. That is not a team that could just make the NCAA tournament. That is a team that could advance in the NCAA tournament. Now, I do want to put an asterisk next to this because Achilles injuries, as we know, usually take yeah. close to a year or so to obviously get back to 100%. But Justin Moore last year on a team that made the Final Four averaged just about 15 points and five rebounds again. He is a first-team All-Big East caliber player. I have, according from to a source, confirmation that he did return to practice in a limited fashion on Christmas night. There is no timetable for a return. But as we've seen here, you know, we are just about 10 weeks away from Selection Sunday. This is a major storyline to monitor if in a month or so, Justin Moore can come back and play for a Villanova team that, again, has not lost with Cam Whitmore in the lineup. It's a really big point, John, and thank you for sharing that tidbit of information from your source there in Philadelphia because when it came to Villanova last year, making that run to the Final Four in the final year under Jay Wright, it was Justin Moore a huge component of that and a huge loss to not have him out there for the Final Four matchup against KU as the Jayhawks advanced to the national championship and obviously cut down the nets as the national title winners in 2021-2022. They played Houston in that Elite Eight game. The Cougs seem like they are destined to get back to at least that point this year, John Rothstein. The number three ranked team in the country, a 20 and a half point favorite as they start things in the American on the road in Tulsa tonight. John, how do you break down the path for the Cougs in the American Athletic Conference this year and what it means for their resume come Selection Sunday? Well, Houston is probably only going to play one team in American conference play, the Memphis Tigers, that is going to be a team that is going to play in the 2023 NCAA tournament, barring something unforeseen. So Houston may not have a plethora of opportunities to pick up quad one victories during conference play, but at the same time, it cannot afford bad losses. If you're Houston now, 
with the win that you earned at Virginia, you put yourself in position still to have a fighter's chance to be a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. But Houston is not going to have the same opportunities during conference play as other teams that are vying for number one seeds from power conferences. So if you're Houston, you have to avoid bad losses as much as you have to seek out great wins. The two great win opportunities will be the two regular season meetings against the Memphis Tigers, and then again, if the two teams meet in the American Athletic Conference Tournament. Just to echo John's point right there, the path for Houston in the AAC does not seem to be all that difficult. They're a minus 470 favorite to win the AAC title in the regular season. John, I know the answer to who is the number one team in the Rothstein 45, but share with our viewers, who is the number one team here following Christmas entering the new year in 2023? You know, Purdue and UConn are one, two. I think UConn has played better than Purdue. UConn's won every game this season by double figures. But this is a year where we do not have, I think, a great team or teams like we did a couple years ago with Baylor and Gonzaga pushing out from the rest of the pack. But I will say this, and I'll say it again, and I'm going to say it until obviously it is cemented into the ground. UConn is not just playing for the number one ranking in the AP Top 25. They are not just playing for a Big East regular season title. They are playing for a one seed in the East region because the East regionals are at Madison Square Garden. Where were they in 2014? Madison Square Garden. What happened that year? The Huskies won the national championship. And I'll say it again, this is only December. It is only December, January on the horizon. Have a wonderful new year, John Rothstein. We round out the show up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Closing out our two hours together here live on a Wednesday on the morning after on SportsGrid. Sirius XM, Channel 159, all across the Spiz Grizz network. That is SportsGrid as well. I am Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us here on this Wednesday. You know what time it is. It is college football bowl season. Four games yesterday, four more today. A quadruple header of bowl season for a second consecutive day. In the second game up, the Kansas Jayhawks go bowling for the first time since 2008 in the Liberty Bowl as the Jayhawks take on the Razorbacks of Arkansas. Now, Arkansas is a two-and-a-half-point favorite, but it's a wonderful quarterback matchup between two very dynamic signal callers, Jalen Daniels for the Jayhawks, K.J. Jefferson, returning to Fayetteville, by the way, in 2023 for the Razorbacks. So that's our focus. So before we say farewell and before we say goodbye, it's time for another college football bowl season best bet. It is time for Bye Bye Bye. Now, I've mentioned this a variety of times, and hopefully you've been with us all college football season long, live on Saturday mornings here on the Spiz Grizz at 9 a.m. Eastern time for college football today. Myself, Kevin Walsh, and Joe Lisi, and a wonderful cast and crew get you ready for each and every Saturday throughout the college football season, including this Saturday with the college football playoff on New Year's Eve. The first best bet I ever hit this year, K.J. Jefferson over his rushing yards prop, 
week number one against Cincinnati. So to end out the year for the Razorbacks, we call the Hogs the same way. K.J. Jefferson over 47 and a half for his rushing yards total against KU. Both Arkansas and Kansas, bottom 15 total defenses in the country, both giving up more than 455 yards per game to their opponents. But KU is a bottom 20 rushing defense in college football as well. The Jayhawks allowing 203 yards per game on the ground. KJ Jefferson averaging 51 rushing yards this year over this number in three of his first four games this season. That does it for the morning after on this Wednesday. We're back tomorrow on a Thursday starting at 9 a.m. Eastern time. I'm Ben Stevens. We'll talk then.